This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. You must heal the disowned shadow parts of yourself that sabotage your best efforts. Now is the ideal time to bring these parts to light. Love and heal them. Let yourself become lighter and freer through this inner work. You will be happy to see the patterns that have been holding you back, recognizing that you can take the reins and be in control of your destiny. Remember that the outer is a reflection of your inner world. You need to focus more inwardly and find empowerment. Don't forget that other people mirror aspects of yourself within. Don't fall into unconsciousness, believing that the other person is wrong in order to make yourself right. There can be no right or wrong when there is no one outside of self. Love and oneness are the keys to heal and grow. Valerie Tellis interviews Tiana Roser, the author of Awakening Transformation. Tiana Roser is certified in a number of transformational practices including Reiki, hypnosis, life between lives regression, quantum healing hypnosis technique, QHHT, soul plan reading, and soul transformation therapy. Her soul's purpose is to empower people through awakening consciousness. She uses tools and processes to help people experience their true self, the source of real healing and growth. As a traveler of the inner and outer worlds, Tiana is passionate about exploring beyond the confines of everyday existence. Meet Tiana at awakeningtransformation.com. Here is the interview with Tiana Roser. In your own words, who is Tiana Roser? Wow, that's that's a, a big and a small question. I'm someone who loves to grow. I'm constantly wanting to evolve and grow and learn. I also feel like I'm both an old soul and also very childlike, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, playful. I, you know, I'm very in touch with my inner child, like to uh, play and explore. Um, I'm somebody who really loves to share. I have a lot of enthusiasm and whenever um, there's something that really helped me, I love to share it with others and and help other people and very spiritually motivated. I don't know if that's the right word, but uh, very, yeah, very focused on spirituality. That's yeah, I would I would start with that. <laughs> so spirituality, how would you describe that? What is spirituality and what is to be spiritual, Diana? Well, I guess for me, spirituality is about being 
connected to and aware of our eternal self, the, you know, the you that has always existed and will always continue to exist uh, beyond, you know, what we see and touch and feel and hear beyond what our five senses show us. We have that part of us that always exists. And so spirituality is is sort of wanting to know that self more and, and be that self uh, experience that self. And in that way, we can connect with others because we're all part of that one beingness. Yeah, that resonates. question I have is about when you, you talk about this part of us that's always there, it will always exist. Is that a belief system, an understanding, realization? What would you call it? How did you get to this understanding about life and yourself? Sure. I guess, you know, for me, it was it was a realization. And um, but of course, I'll just claim it as a belief system because there's no way that I can prove to others that it's the the journey that we each individually take on our own and the place that we find it is within ourselves. And so there's no way to Mm. really um, prove that. So in that way, people would say that's a belief system. But yeah, I wasn't raised with that perspective or that belief Uh system. Um, I was raised as an atheist and it was sort of something that happened in one of those challenging moments, which is a lot for the case for a lot of people where I had just become very disillusioned from um, the career that I thought that I wanted, that I got, and I started to work in and just the emptiness that I felt and confusion because I thought that that was my trajectory for my life and the focus of my life. And so when I was on that path and realized that it wasn't fulfilling me the way that I thought it would, that caused me to go within and try to find those answers. And I think that's the case for so many people, whether, you know, whatever that thing is that we are promised, we think we're Mm -hmm. promised by society, whether it's like, oh, that perfect Mm -hmm. person or that, you know, when your body looks the way you want it to, or when you have X amount of dollars in your bank account, we think like, then I'm going to have that feeling I'm seeking, that feeling of wholeness and completion, but we don't find it there. (laughs) And so, (laughs) you know, hopefully, you know, people, what we often do is we keep looking mm. to the next outer thing and the next outer thing, mm. but we'll, we'll never find it there. And so finally, at some point, we start to look within and, and that's, you know, that's the source. That's how we get there. The paradox is that we are already whole. There's nothing missing, right? It's perfect. I don't like using the word perfect because there's a lot of, uh, let's say, baggage with that word <laughs> being perfect, but it's whole, Yeah, what is my understanding, it seems to me, is that this is a separated wholeness, as I call it. (laughs) It's a piece of life that seems to be separated, but it's whole at the same time. So separated, whole, walking together. Yeah, I sometimes say, you know, as human beings, we're 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 perfectly imperfect or we're yeah. imperfectly perfect is the same yeah. kind of separated whole where you know it's, it's, we can be both or our experience can be both when we're here on the planet. Talk to me for a moment about emotions and feelings, Diana. How do we learn to to understand them? I think that's part of why we chose to become human is to have this experience of emotions that makes us different from other living beings. Mm. It totally, I, I like to say that the emotions are sort of, you know, the colors of our life palette and, yeah. or, or the flavors, you know, we, we want to have that experience. Otherwise, things get very flat. If we just move into our mind and we don't allow these 
uh, emotions and feelings, then sure, we can get a lot accomplished and, you know, but we don't feel fulfilled or we don't feel alive. Like these emotions give us a sense of aliveness um, mm. if we allow them to flow. It's like the seasons, you know, we can't get attached when summer comes and, it, you know, the days are long and, and the sun is out and it feels wonderful, but we can't be attached to that because fall is going to come and we need to appreciate when fall comes and what that offers. And then winter comes in. So having all of the seasons gives us a greater um, presence to be in the moment because it shifts and greater um yeah, awareness um, and of the fleetingness of what exists. And so in the same way, emotions are like that through this whole broad spectrum of emotions that we can experience, then it gives us a greater appreciation for each little, you know, difference in each flavor that is offered and, and not to be attached, but to, to just let it flow, let it go. Do you describe love as an emotion, as a feeling? Huh, that's a tricky one. Yeah. Love compared to other experiences, I feel that love is a state of being because of because I feel that love is so um, divine. Yeah. If it's the unconditional love, the, right. the real genuine love yeah. versus yeah. the conditional love that, you know, think what we often call love is is not what I'm referring to, not the I love you if you love me back. I love you when you're nice to me. <laughs> Those are all conditions, right? But um, the unconditional love where I can just see and accept you as you are and feel, you know, gratitude and appreciation for your beingness, even in, you know, it's imperfection in the expression that it is in the human uh, experience. That I feel is sort of a divine state of being, that kind of uh, unconditional love. A question that I often ask is, um, what is beyond experience? Can we realize, perceive anything beyond experience? And is love an experience? Even the love that you speak of, unconditional love, is that something that we can experience or we can only perceive, realize? It seems like it's the same thing in a way. If we are able to realize, then it becomes an experience in a way, but maybe not. No, I, yeah, I agree with you there. I think you can come to it either way. Hmm. You could experience it and um, in that way perceive it, or you can be it and perceive it and, and then experience it. I think it's pervasive, you know, across whether we, it's one thing, well, you know, it's one thing to, to learn about something and to, to understand it. And it's another thing to, be it. And yeah. so that's important distinction. But um, but certainly yeah. I think we can express this love and our actions can be an experience or expression of it. But also just in our presence, we can perceive it, as you said. So talk to me for a moment about the transformative dream you had. I was in doubt about Will when I read your book. Is an entity, somebody that you channeled or it's a will, like a, a willpower. 
Will is a non-physical being, one of my uh, spirit guides, um, short for William, if that helps. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> so when I first yes. <laughs> met him, his name was William, but he said, call uh-huh. me Will. And so I've uh-huh. called him Will all these years. And uh-huh. um, I guess sort of, you know, he's been, a, he has kind of a lighthearted and playful approach. And sometimes when we think of spirit guides, we think of this, you know, sort of very serious uh, yeah. disciplinarian type uh-huh. of energy but he has been very, um, you know, playful. And um, so I think that's probably why he said, call me Will instead of William. The first time I connected, well, that I, I I mean, I'm sure I probably have connected with him since I was a child without realizing it, but the, the transformative dream that you're talking about was before I was on a spiritual path, when I was in um, college and, or maybe it was slightly after college, it was just one of those times when I was uh, really overwhelmed as many of us are with all of the things, you know, that you're trying to do, that you have to do, all of the, the heaviness of the world, all of the things you're trying to achieve and just feeling overwhelmed by all of it. And, you know, that questioning kind of like, oh, why does it have to be so hard? How can I keep going? And I think everyone's had a point in their life like that, or many times maybe. And in the dream, I was walking down this path and it was really hot and it was just really dreary and I was exhausted and and meanwhile, there are these cars whizzing by. These, I, my, yeah. I saw my friends in sports cars and they were like laughing and they were whizzing by. Mm-hmm. And here I am walking along the path and just like, just, you know, probably sort of feeling sorry for myself. Like, oh, why, why do I have to walk this path? And it felt endless. And I felt like I can't keep going. And then out of the corner of my eye, I noticed to my right, this like shrubbery that ran along the path. And from behind it, like popped out what I now know was Will, was my guide. Um, But at the time, I just felt this incredible um, love and support and the realization that, oh, I haven't been walking it by myself this whole time. This is why I joke it's sort of my footprints, you know, if you know the footprints in the sand uh, poem, that it was sort of that kind of footprints in the sand moment of like, oh, I haven't been by myself this whole time. And so it's just like this shrubbery, like had hidden this from obscured from my view that mm-hmm. um, my guide had been with me this whole time walking alongside me. And there was the, the understanding that I had chosen to walk the path. And in fact, you know, when you're when you're whizzing by in a sports car with your friends, mm-hmm. you miss all the little details, right? You don't get to really notice things. And that I had chosen to to walk this way, and that I'm not alone. And um, and that was the first uh, time that I really knew that I had this guide and that I had this support. And then, of course, it was a few years later that I made contact with him and began to channel him. But that moment kind of shifted things. Do we all have spiritual guides, Diana, or this is something that some people get to uncover and connect with? Absolutely, we all have spiritual guides. And that's part of why, you know, I wrote this book is that um, all of the things that have really helped me I really wanted to share them with others to let people know it's like not just for, you know, special people or certain people that everybody has that if they choose. The thing with our spirit guides is that they love us so much that they don't interfere unless 
we've asked them to, you know, it could be a soul agreement or we can just consciously from our personality choose that we want to begin to connect with them. But even for people who may never, you know, consciously choose a spiritual path behind the scenes, their spirit guides working for them and helping them. And we don't see that, but you know, it's behind the shrubbery again, Uh it's being obscured. But for those that want to look, you'll see that, oh, behind the shrubbery, there's my spirit guide. And so, um, you know, in the work that I do now as a hypnotherapist, and I specialize in spiritual regression. And so I do past life regression, life between lives, quantum healing hypnosis technique, where I guide people in these sessions where they get to connect with their spirit guide. And so, so many people are wanting that. And thankfully, you know, it's available. It's not as difficult as we make it in our mind. And so that's part of what I wanted to share in this book is just to kind of give people some guidance on how you can connect with your spirit guide. Awakening Transformation, A Beginner's Guide to Becoming Your Higher Self. That's the title of your book that will be available August 30th, right, Diana, on Amazon? Yes. Yeah. And I just wanted to say, you know, from what you were sharing, yeah, we don't, you know, so that's one way to approach it is to have this sort of inner communication with the guide or your higher self. But also it doesn't have to be that way. The way, you know, like you're probably just embodying your higher self, which is also, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of what I wanted to share in the book is that we can just, we want to become our higher self here on the planet. We want to live as our higher self. And so it doesn't have to, you don't have to experience it in that separate way because, you know, really we are Mm -hmm. that. And that's the journey, you know, on, on the spiritual path is to sort of live and express from that place within ourselves. Mm, thank you for saying that. That resonates true. <laughs> yes, becoming what we already are, which is a paradox again, um, fascinating mm-hmm. one. So in your book, you said nowadays, there really is no choice anymore. It is not possible to stay in the lower vibrations, pretending not to see the dysfunction and imbalance within yourself and our world. With that in mind, talk to me about 2020 and what insights have you gained? Yeah, well, I was fortunate. Um, I, I have some good friends that are astrologers. And um, yeah. one of my good friends had been talking about 2020, like, you know, for five or six years. And so wow. I knew something big was happening from, right. from that perspective. I think uh, for myself, I, you know, I didn't really go into in this first book, it's sort of a beginner's guide. And I plan to follow up with more on my spiritual path. But uh, in my life, I had gone through what's called a dark night of the soul which is a really kind of painful clearing of all all the things that are not spirit. And um, I went through that in uh, like around 2015, 2016. And so I think that really prepared me for, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I feel like 2020 Mm -hmm. is sort of the collective dark night of the soul. Mm, You know, it's sometimes people call the dark night of the soul, the ego death, you know, so it's things that are, illusion that are not part of our higher truth, uh, our higher spiritual truth. And so all of that has been coming up this, um, you know, we're seeing the world looking very polarized, right? And that's been, it's been happening for, you know, several years now where it was intensifying, intensifying, and now it's, you know, 
really intensify. But that's part of the journey of coming back to the wholeness because that's the illusion that we came into when we chose to incarnate is this illusion of being the separate body. Right. And, and there right. are benefits from that. That's how we get to know ourselves in a very specific way by having this identity as being a specific specific body, specific personality, but then also on the spiritual journey, it's about remembering that we're also the oneness and the wholeness. And so I think that's playing out in a really large way on the world stage right now is kind of working through this experience of polarities and du mm. dualities to eventually awaken us to the memory of our oneness, our wholeness. Yeah. So, so even though it's, it's really painful and, and difficult, right. Yeah. For, for everyone. And that's kind of what I was saying there is like, oh, we can't ignore that anymore because it's playing out in such a, a big way worldwide, but underneath that, you know, it's driving us towards uh, something beautiful, which is, you know, to the, back to the oneness, back to the awakening. The question I have is about this idea that we have about oneness being realized is that something that will happen on earth if it comes to be or outside of earth is that something that happened before tayana that you're aware of yeah that that i will not make any predictions on at all <laughs> um, i think there's many possibilities many timelines in fact you know my my guide will and i have other spirit guides but will has been my my primary guide throughout my whole spiritual journey but um they're constantly telling me how there's you know there's different probable timelines of things and we're all co-creators and so um i think you'll you'll hear many many different answers and people are tuning into different timelines but it's still um it's still being created and so mm -hmm. Yeah, sometimes my mind kind of blows, like I said, from doing like past lives and, and spiritual mm -hmm. regression and the idea of quantum um, physics and how all time is now and that there are, you know, infinite worlds. If, if you look at it from uh, that kind of quantum physics perspective, then that means that there's, a, you know, there is a timeline where that already happened and there's a timeline where it doesn't happen on Earth and there's a timeline where it does happen on Earth. Mm -hmm. And so it's a matter of like, you know, all possibilities exist and where do we put our attention to? Something that caught my attention in your work, really, for some reason, was the, uh, the part love yourself, shadow work. There's a message you say... You must heal the disowned shadow parts of yourself that sabotage your best efforts. Now is the ideal time to bring these parts to light, love, and heal them. So talk to me about the shadow work and also parts integration, which is very interesting. How can we bring all these parts together and have them dance in harmony? <laughs> Oh, I like that. Dan have them dance in harmony. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I like that because um, that perspective is um, honoring all the different aspects of self. And, and that's really, you know, when people hear the word um, shadow work, they often come to the um, misperception that it's about like, evil or something yeah. like this. Yeah. But it really, you know, the idea of disowned parts of self can be parts, um, very, you know, things that we would classically call beautiful, you know, like, yeah. oh, you're so creative. Oh, I don't have a creative bone in my body. Then my yeah. shadow aspect could 
you know, one of my shadow aspects could be my creativity. I'm not owning my own creativity. I'm seeing it within you or projecting it uh, onto you, but not owning it within myself. So shadow aspects are not just um, maybe like my anger or my judgment or things that, you know, we, we would normally think of as like, oh yeah, of course I don't want to be that thing. Um, it is those things, but it's also, you know, all of these other things, you know, the, my, my spiritual self or, you know, whatever it is that we can't own within ourselves, because the truth is that we're all, you know, pieces of the divine. So that means that we're all things, we're all things. And, um, and that's what shadow work is about is uh, acknowledging that we're all things. And of course, in this finite time and body and life experience, we not might not be expressing all of those things just by the fact that I chose to be in a, a female body you know, there are certain uh, things that I won't be able to experience um, that I did when I was in a male body in other lifetimes, you know, so I chose to have a sort of specific focus in this lifetime to have certain experiences. But when I connect to the divine remembrance that I'm all things, then that means that, yeah, that every quality that exists, I am. And so when I can accept that, that I'm all those things and not judge any of that, it uh, it frees me. And so the parts of ourselves that we might not like by, you know, trying to, you know, it's that what you resist persists yeah. by saying like, yeah. oh, I, I'm not fearful. I'm not fearful. And then I'm mm-hmm. rejecting the part of myself that has fear. And then um, it stays stuck that way mm. versus if I could accept like, okay, everybody, you know, sometimes I'm fearful. And, um, and in that acceptance, I take away that, that pressure that is holding it in place. And, um, and then I can give love to the part of myself that's fearful. And love is the most powerful healer, in my opinion, you know, love and acceptance. If I love and acceptance is um, the nourishment for the part of myself that felt afraid when it receives love and acceptance from me, then it can start to blossom, sort of like the sunlight when you shine the sun on the seed and then it can blossom into its highest potential. The part of me that's fearful uh, doesn't have to remain small and um, it can be instead, instead of fearful, it can be the part of me maybe that um, is protective or watchful, you know, makes sure that I don't run out in the street and get hit by a car but not, it keeps me at home, never leaving my home because I might get hit by a car kind of thing. And so shadow work is really like at the very core, just about love and acceptance to all the parts of yourself. Yeah, that's um, a wonderful work if we can go through it and uh, if we can commit to do that. I love the idea of acceptance. And I, and I often wonder if um, that's the, the first stage because it's not always easy to to love something that we tend to judge as bad or dark. So I'm wondering, is that the first step? Would that be, Tayana, the acceptance? Yes. Mm-hmm. How can we learn to love those parts, though? I'm still trying to understand that. Is that possible? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's why that's why I start, you know, the, the the know yourself section comes before the love yourself and the know yourself, you know, like the practices of that are in that section, which is like meditation and, and channeling and Reiki. These practices connect you to your higher divine 
parts, right? So either your own higher self or loving guides or high, um, high vibrational energy like Reiki. These, when you connect to that vibration of love, then um, and you're you're experiencing that and radiating, then it gets easier versus mm-hmm. like trying to get there as a mental process of like, oh, right. okay, how can I, <laughs> you know, think differently? Or it's True. it's really like you know, as an energy healer, I would say it's really vibrational in a way. <laughs> like love is this very high frequency, and so the more we connect to it, we just can't help it. Just spills out over into you know to other people, into all the things around it, into to ourselves, uh-huh. and so we we need to be able to plug into that and that's why things like meditation or channeling or or reiki working with our chakras these things um these practices help us to connect to that higher vibration and it just starts to do that work for us something else that i really like uh yeah the distinction that was under empower yourself you have the distinction between intention and expectation yeah, that was that's been big for me for a while. In fact, I had that as my screensaver um, on my phone for probably a couple of years about intentions instead of expectations. Yeah, yeah I think most of us, uh, we, without realizing it, we we don't realize how unconsciously we're we're having holding all these expectations, and and that sort of um, limits us to what's possible. For in, I'll give you an example. Um, when people come for a past life regression, I try to talk to them about this, about having, instead of having an expectation, I'm going to experience a past life today, which is a very rigid set result, right? This, I need this to be happy. You know, I need this because that's what I came for. Uh, initially, when I started to do this work as the practitioner, I was thinking the same way. My client has to ex- experience a past life. That's what they came for, you know. Uh, but then I really learned, um, oh, I'm not in control of the session. I thought I was controlling the session. Actually, my client's higher self is in control. And so here I'd be trying to like guide them on my process and then they would veer off and they would go somewhere different. I would try to like guide them back in, you know, and I realized, oh, wait, their higher self is bringing them where they need to be today. And of course, the higher self is always coming from a place of love and for your highest good. And sometimes maybe they they dangled like, you know, like the carrot, uh, the past life regression as a way to get their client to come in. But here's what they really wanted them to experience. Here's how they can help them the best. And it might not be a past life experience. It might be healing their inner child, or it might be staying in spirit realm and talking to a guide instead of going into a past life. And so I, I asked my clients beforehand, um, instead of focusing on that specific expectation of a past life, instead have an intention for your highest good to come out of this session and mm-hmm. see, see how broad that is, your highest good. That's what they're really seeking is they're wanting, you know, some something sh- sh- that will shift them, something that will help them. They were focused, hyper-focused on this specific process but the truth is they just they also want their highest good and so uh, when we have that intention but we don't limit it with our expectation then we open the door for so much more spirit has so much more than we even can you know think of and that's you'll find on the path I'm sure you have uh, so many times there's beautiful things that you know fall into place in our life that we never could have imagined. And if we were rigidly attached to our plan, to our expectation, then we never would have got there. And then the other thing I say in the book is sort of how many times just through my expectation that I was disappointed. And it, it works both ways. 
there, I mean, I can think, <laughs> I didn't use this in the book, but I think of, I specifically remember when the movie Titanic came out yeah. and my friends all got to see it before me for whatever reason. There was some reason why I didn't get to see it until after. And all my friends told me how amazing it was. And it's this incredible movie, you know? And so I went in there thinking it was just going to be this life-changing experience. <laughs> okay. And I was, I was disappointed. I was disappointed because um, I don't know, I had some kind of unrealistic, you know, impossible to be met expectation versus I can think of other movies that I, um, I, I got free passes to and I didn't hear anything about it beforehand. And then I was like really pleasantly surprised because I didn't know anything beforehand. Mm-hmm. And and so just this idea of expecting something to be, you know, whether it's expecting it to be really good or expecting it to be really bad, how we shut out um, just being in the present moment, you know, that beginner's mind where you're just fresh and open and um, able to really experience something without having this kind of pre-set idea of what it's supposed to be. So we're almost at the end. I do have a few more questions for you, the ending questions. Would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? Oh, I totally forgot that <laughs> I didn't. I didn't have that prepared. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no. I just. I. I mean, I, I would say just as a message. You know, I would just really encourage everyone, particularly in these really challenging times, that that safety, that security, that love, that uh, direction, that peace that we're seeking that can all be found through, you know, these inner practices and to, to, you know, make time for that. We really need that because everything outwardly is, you know, crumbling or, or it's all pulling us in different directions. And so that's the intention of the book is really to kind of help encourage people to be able to know that you can trust that you are a piece of the divine, that you do have those answers within you. And when I was younger, like say 18, 19, I used to, um, at that age, I used to go to psychics a lot, but I didn't believe in something spiritual, but I just believe that maybe some people have superpowers. (laughs) Um, But they used to tell me that, like they would say, um, oh, you have the answers within. And it would just annoy me so badly. I'd be like, oh yeah, right. Well then how come I can't see it? You know, just talk, just answer my question, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and now I get it, you know, but I can remember yeah. how frustrated I would be. But it's it's so true for all of us. You know, it's it's yeah. it's whether those bushes are obscuring our view from what's behind it, from that, you know, love and support that's there. We all have that love and support. So my ending questions to you, what is another word for healing? I would say love. I know it sounds overused, but but love, like I said, is the most powerful healing. When we receive love, when we experience love, it does, it shifts so many things. It transforms us in a really positive way. It has the power to heal anything that we're challenged by. If you knew you would die soon, meaning leaving or losing the body, would you make any change or do anything in a different way? And now, you know, I, I feel really blessed that the kind of work I do where I'm guiding people into past lives every yeah, day, yeah. it constantly makes me hyper aware of what really matters at the end of the day, right? You guide somebody all the way through all of the, the, the 
trials and tribulations of life, but at the end of life, we review the life. And so it's constantly making me review my life. And that's why I I do take risks. And that's why I put it out there, even when it's really uncomfortable, because I do have that awareness that life could end at any moment. And I, I, I want to feel you know, satisfied, not that I did things perfectly, but that, you know, that I tried, I tried my best. And and that's, you know, that's what all we can do. And my last question is, what are three things about life you wish everyone to know or to have before they lose the body? I want everyone to know that they are eternal. And so, you know, you can lose the body and you'll still exist. And so there's nothing um, to fear. Right. I want everyone to know that they are unconditionally loved, that there's nothing that you could ever do that Mm. makes that love go away. You're loved in your beingness, not in your doingness. Mm. You're always loved and you'll always be loved. And third, those are the big ones. Okay, what's the third one? (laughs) 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 Just, um, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, I should have like about 20, but all I can think of is those two. I just want you to know that you're an eternal being and that yeah. and that you're always loved. What else can we say? <laughs> That's beautiful. Thank you so much, Diana, for everything you do, the way you do it, your wisdom, uh, the intention behind your work and how beautiful you are. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. I appreciate it. And before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? The best place to go would be on my website, which is awakeningtransformation.com. And then you'll also be able to find my book on Amazon. And also I'm on Facebook as you know, Awakening Transformation. Wonderful. I'll have those links on your podcast profile. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye for now, Diana. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Tiana Roser and her work, please visit awakeningtransformation.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.